Hi, everybody. This is Dr. Eric Corum, founder of AIM7. Welcome back to The Blueprint, where we distill cutting-edge science, leadership, and life skills into simple tactics optimized for your busy lifestyle and goals. I'm excited to have Ben Pakulski back on the show today. As the owner of Muscle Intelligence and a former elite bodybuilder, Ben has a wealth of knowledge on maintaining a lean, healthy body as we age. Ben's approach to healthy living is not only practical, but it is steeped in real-world, evidence-based experience. This episode, we're going to dive into six pillars for a lean, muscular, and healthy body. For moving, breathing, thinking, sleeping, and the environment we live in, Ben teaches us how we can continue to create a harmonious balance between the mind and the body for years to come. I really enjoyed my conversation with Ben. He is such a wise person. I got a lot of value out of it, and he's somebody I've become a big fan of. If results matter to you when it comes to your health and fitness, then pay attention. After analyzing the data of over 200 people using the AIM7 app between February and April, this is what we learned. In just the first 30 days, the average person experiences a 23% increase in motivation, a 20% increase in mood, 17% better sleep quality, 16% more energy, and 10% less stress. If you are a Garmin or Apple watch wearer and you want to experience AIM7 for yourself, you can sign up now and start for free at AIM7.com. This app is built for busy people anywhere on their health and fitness journey. Whether you're starting out or you've won an Olympic gold medal, and yes, we have so many in AIM7 that's done that three times, AIM7 will meet you right where you are to bring you to where you want to be. Sign up now. The link is in the show notes. Now to my conversation with Ben. So let's lean in and learn from the best. Ben, I'm 42 years old. So are you. My dad and I were talking the other night. He's older than me. And I mentioned middle age. He's like, no, it's, you know, stop thinking about middle age. It's just like, you just keep living life. But the reality is, is that like, we're on a slow, steady decline, right? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on a minute here, man. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we, we all, there's two, there's two truths in life. You're born. And we're all going to die one day. And it's like how we live the life in between of life of impact. But from a physical perspective, I think both you and I, like we're still pursuing excellence. And a lot of people that listen to this show want to be excellent in all areas of their life. So as we're aging, I'm just going to say as a male, what are some things I really should be focused on for building muscle, longevity, training, nutrition, like preventing injuries, that's a big one. I see a lot of guys going out and playing softball and pulling hamstrings and all this kind of stuff. Like, what's your perspective on this? That's just too broad of a question, man. Like, there's so much within that, right? What should I be focusing on as a man? Besides being a great human being. Yeah. Gosh, where would I go with that one, right? So everything. And, and so th- this may be a good context for the listener to hear. So I filter everything through what I call the six pillars of a lean, healthy, and muscular body. And so... Mm-hmm. It's my assessment, I could be wrong, but it's my assessment. There's only six ways to interface with the body. And if you learn these things, you're like, okay, well, which one am I good at? Which am I not good at? Which one's an opportunity? And which one am I doing well, right? So if you think about it, the, the things that you can do to influence the system is obviously movement. So it's, I'll say it this way so the listener can hear. It's how I move. It's how I eat. It's how I breathe. It's how I sleep. It's how I think and the environment in which I do them. So move, eat, breathe, think, sleep, and the environment in which I do them. I think that's all those things I have influence over, right? 
So what mm. goes, in, you know, you could call it eating, what goes into my body could be supplementation, but those are the primary levers that we can, we can look at. So, well, ask yourself, well, which am I doing really, really well at? And obviously within movement, you can chunk down to a lot of different subcategories and nutrition. You could chunk down, maybe call it nourishment. You could chunk down to a bunch of different subcategories and you start to identify, well, which am I not good at? And when I say um, breathing, that's a big one, right? People like all oh, stress, I'm like, well, stress is going to manifest as deficient breathing patterns. So you can identify that. Like, so if someone's like, I'm really stressed. Well, yeah, this is how we influence that. So I'd say it's probably a great way to start to start maybe objectively and subjectively analyzing your life through the lens of, well, which of these am I doing well? And which of these is a lever that I should pull? And the environment, I think people sometimes sleep on that one. And they're like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. And it may be this maybe the biggest deal. It may be one of the, certainly the biggest deal. It's hard to weigh them all against each other because it depends who's who. Who's, Let, who's let's dig into the environment because that's yeah. the one that caught my attention the most. Right. So I always talk about light, air, EMF, and people. Those are your primary influences in your environment. There's probably other ones that I'm not thinking of right now. But so light is, as you know, the single biggest influence on human biology. Your body rises and, and, and sleeps according to light cycles. And if you cause dysregulation or if it becomes dysregulated, it's almost a sure path to illness and disease. So we have to pay attention to the quality of light, the spectrums of light we're being exposed to. The opportunity that exists within light is enormous, as you know, as, as the world is starting to come to know with infrared light and UV light and the timing of the light and how long and, 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 the, and the strength. That's a big one. And so air quality, as you know, like if I'm breathing polluted air and, and you know, people are like, oh, air is great. It's always clean. Like, gosh, we've all walked into a room, you know, 30 minutes after somebody left smelling of perfume or a candle or something that's two hours after it's been burned out, the smell is still in the air. And so that stuff lingers and people don't realize what's just, just what's in the air. Do you air. use an air filter in your rooms? Like, a, like outside of just like the basic. Oh, every room in my house, man. What are you using? Uh, just the air doctor, to be honest. I have, I have one called the Orancy Eric, which is like a medical grade. Uh, they have it in, in like operating rooms. But it's loud. It sounds like a lawnmower. So I don't have that in the bedrooms. I only use, like I, when I leave the house, I flip that one on full speed. And when I come back, I, I hope all my air is perfectly filtered. Uh, but huh. every room has the, the air doctor just because it's quiet. Hmm. You have one? Do you and have have you noticed? No, I've not. This is one of the areas of, of health that I would like to engage in more, especially since I live in Houston. Allergies are crazy. You know, there's pollutants in the air, but this is something I think would make a tremendous impact on health and wellness. And I don't think it's, it's given enough thought, right? You know, we, we, we change the filters out in our house. Yep. That's a big first step. Make sure you're consistently doing that. But then think of all the other pollutants that are rolling through. And, and you know, one that people don't think about is the air movement while you sleep. You mm -hmm. want air moving while you sleep because you're breathing out this, this cloud of CO2 that stays within a foot of your face and you're just kind of breathing this recycled CO2 as you sleep. So having a little bit of airflow while you sleep can actually really help with quality of sleep. Just, just the fan? Yeah. The air doctor has enough of a flow if it's relatively close to your bed that you can, it can um, circulate air or a fan. Is it using light? To like, it like pulling air through kind of like the Dyson. I'll have to go check this thing out. Uh, I don't know if it's that advanced. <laughs> I, it, I just know it's like a high quality, multiple layers of HEPA filters. So I just use it. It's quiet and it's got high quality HEPA filters. Love it. So air, light, you and I are both synced up on the light one. Yep. EMF and people. Yeah, yeah. I think it's very subjective right now. I think there's a lot of data showing some, some negative implications of EMF, especially being bathed in it perpetually. Mm -hmm. But it's still so new, right? We're the first generation in history to ever have its level of exposure to, you know, 5G type radiation. And 
I think it's, I think it's going to cause a problem. I've had some guests on my show. I've had, I've had an opportunity to have some conversation with people. I think long-term it's going to cause a problem. Um, so we got to pay attention to our EMF exposures. And, and so, you know, and the listeners should know we're electrical beings and we all have a frequency. And if that frequency is any way dysregulated or, uh, I call, I use the word harmony a lot, disharmonious, then you're going to, you're going to cause problems. So we have to be balancing out our frequencies. So if you're getting exposure to a lot of EMF, like you're working on a computer or you're spending a lot of time in a house, it's got Wi-Fi, one, turn it off at night, two, balance it out with time outside, right? Get get outside, get connected with the sun, literally get as much sun on your skin as you can, get connected with the earth, put your feet in the water, put your feet in the grass. Mm-hmm. Uh, try to balance out those frequencies in the body. There's a great book, Healing is Voltage. I forget the name of the guy who wrote it. Great, great book talking about how, you know, th- this healing, the kind of science of biophysics, mm-hmm. how it's like the next wave, like the people who are truly at the at the pinnacle of, of optimization of health are really tapping into biophysics and things like PEMF and, and multiple different types of modular frequency devices. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's a huge one. And people, man, as you know, what an influence, right? <laughs> make or break. That will make you or break you. Yeah. You know, I've been exposed to this, or at least not exposed, conscious of it so much lately because of people coming into my community, I, I, I work with a lot of high performing men, guys who are, you know, successful entrepreneurs, uh, CEOs, executives, and they all seem to, or many, not all, but all many seem to live in this reality of being the lone wolf, because it's really hard to find someone who values the same things as you, yes. um, who pushes as hard as you, who can keep up, right? Because, you know, guys at that level end up pulling everyone along with them, everyone wants to jump on their back rather than someone working synergistically beside you to keep you pushing harder or help you push even harder because you're a high achiever, you want to go. Mm-hmm. And most people are just like, oh, I want I want something of what that guy's got. They're going to try to jump on your back and hold you down. So it's a really interesting dynamic to, to work with guys like that who have a have developed over many years a resistance to allowing anyone into their those their circle because they have a belief that everyone is going to become a dependency, right? They're going to become a liability. Mm. So it's an interesting game to to observe and watch how these guys dynamically interact and also become yeah, the product of their environment. Yeah, because you you're trained to say no. Part of that is strategic. As a matter of fact, our team had a had a we had an all hands today. And our COO was talking about how, like, you know, to hit our objectives, we need to be disciplined to say no. And that's in your personal life, too. Like, you you know, Ben, if everybody that called you and asked you for a favor, asked you to do something, if you said yes, you'd, you'd be exhausted and worn out and yeah. a shell of yourself. Yeah. The flip side of that is, is like, we need healthy relationships. Mm-hmm. We need other people. For me, that's my faith. And there's guys in my community that like, you know, we can share burdens, we can talk about difficult stuff, you know, and like when life gets sucky, they're there to, to, to be there with me, right? Um, when things are hard at work, when things, you know, when things are good, you know, to like celebrate with you. Yep. And so I see what you're saying. Like, if you say yes to everything, you're going to be dragging a bunch of people. It's got to be that give and take. There's actually a paper... So I think we've talked about the allostatic load, right? Like mm-hmm. your ability to adapt to stress. And I was doing some research on like, what are things that enable us to adapt to more allostatic load? And one of the things that popped up was like community over and over and over again. And one of the strongest papers I saw was it was like, like 5,500 people, almost 20 years. And they said it was people, they didn't say what faith community, but people involved in faith communities had over a 50% reduction in all cause mortality. Wow. And then they looked at the biomarkers that changed. All the things that you would look at to indicate like HRV, blood profile, all this stuff. Why? Well, 
it's because you're able to unburden yourself. Like if you look at the commonality of a faith community, it's like you believe in a higher power, whatever that is for you. But then also you are sharing and you're connecting on a regular cadence and rhythm. And uh, for me that, you know, that's my faith. But like, I think that this is a big part of it. Like if you can't name three people right now, three other men, women, whatever that you can call no matter what, and that you're in regular communication with, I would say that of these six pillars, I would go to environment, right to people. Yeah, I agree. But uh, sorry to take the mic there for a second. Um, I agree. Let's go back to eating. What are some fundamental things that everybody should be doing from a nutrition standpoint? Like forget carnivore or this out of the other. Like if you're just a functional human being on planet earth, like what are some tenants that people should be focusing on? Yeah, it's an interesting question because I, I come at it from so many different directions depending on who I'm working with, right? As, as working with a pro athlete, sometimes you got to fuel high-level performance. If you're coming at it from someone who's obese, you have to you have to minimize the, the caloric excess. You have to minimize inflammation, minimize insulin, right? Minimize the damage of insulin. So depending where you're coming at it, you know, I would say some basic things that I think everyone would benefit from is paying attention to inflammation. Like what causes infl- inflammation in your body? I think that's the first the first door or the first lens through which we make decisions. And what's inflammatory for me may not be inflammatory for you, but there's some general things that in general most people are going to respond negatively to and we want to remove those, right? And we want to we want to remove the likelihood of, of us causing. So the way I I this may be a useful framework for the audience as well. The way I um pass nutrition kind of through my mind is if I were to consume, people think that nutrition is just what I consume. And while that's one step in the process, well, what about what I digest, absorb, and assimilate? There's three more levels. So it's, you know, digest, absorb, assimilate. So there's more stuff that goes in that happens between like, I eat this chicken and broccoli, and it becomes my tissues, right? There's there's a bunch of steps in the middle. And so if you just kind of follow it down the path and you go, okay, well, I'm going to chew this stuff and hopefully I chew it well so I can expose the protein and all the, the food to more acids and enzymes in my stomach. But then it gets into the stomach and well, is the stomach doing what it's supposed to do? Is it producing acid? Is it, is it, is it a permeable gut or, or too permeable or not permeable enough? And so we have to make sure that everything is kind of functioning well. So first thing is don't screw that process up, right? Like, <laughs> Right. So if, if I'm eating something that, you know, tastes good in my mouth, but I know it's causing havoc in my digestive tract, everything else that goes in is going to be, you're going to have malabsorption issues. So mm-hmm. first thing is like remove the things that you know are messing you up, I would say. So what does that look like? I'm not going to give you a list. You can, if you want me to, I can, but most people just should look up the things that are the most common inflammatory uh, foods and remove them. Try not to be dogmatic about it. Some people, sure. some things work for some people, some don't for others. That's the first one. Second one, as you mentioned, is like, you got to get your protein in, right? As, as a functioning human, you know, who wants to ultimately thrive, protein is about so much more than just muscle, as you know, and I'm sure you advocate. Beyond that, I want to get as many different variety of nutrients as I can. So I'm big on variety of plants and fruits. Um, I like a lot of berries and things like that mixed in for, for polyphenols. So the, the subcategory of, of polyphenols is something that I have become a big advocate of over the last maybe five to 10 years, like get as many different types of polyphenols as you can. So you're looking at very dark berries, chocolate, olive oil, gosh, probably a million things I'm not thinking of, but there, there's a, there's a bunch of coffee. There's a bunch of highly dense uh, concentrated polyphenols that I've seen to be beneficial for me personally. And so I, I include a lot of those in the diet. And I would say that's probably a pretty simple framework. Again, I could go a lot deeper if you want, but keep the answer. concise. No, makes so much sense. This is awesome. The six 
pillars of a lean, healthy, and muscular body. Beautifully put. Thanks again for listening to the Blueprint Podcast. And if you enjoyed today's conversation with Ben and you like the Blueprint, please do me a favor. Take a moment. Leave us a comment and review on whichever listening platform you're joining us from as this helps us reach more people with the message of the Blueprint. I'm so thankful for you. And I don't take for granted the time and attention that you give us. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. And I'll catch you on the next episode.